Amen. Well, Happy New Year. It's good to see you all. If I haven't met you before, my name is Brad, and I am just so glad that you are here and that you joined us this very first Sunday of the year. What a great way to ring in the new year is to spend time in the house of the Lord together. And I am going to be wrapping up or finishing up this month. I felt like before we get into our theme for 2022, which we're going to be doing by the end of this month, I really wanted to wrap up with one final series from our reset, because I really believe that God is doing a reset in the church, that God is doing a new thing. And as we watch through this last year, God beginning to just set some things up that are new, to begin to bring our hearts back to the place where he has called them to be. And, you know, we're going to start off a, a very short series this month, and it's called Live Ready. And, and if, you, if you've really, uh, if 2020 and 2021 didn't teach you anything else, it hopefully taught you this, therefore you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. If you look around our world and say, is the, you know, this, this is the time, like I remember back like, you know, in like the 70s and 80s that everybody down the streets you know, held signs, the end is near, right? No one's holding those signs now. Well, now they're just putting it on Facebook, but it's kind of a different sign. But you, you look and you look around our world and you say, my goodness, Jesus has got to be coming back sometime soon. And the word of God tells us that he will return for his church. And so it is... If you are in Christ Jesus, I want you to know this. If you have come to a place in your life where you have received Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord in your life, you've got nothing to fear. The, the, the return of Jesus doesn't have to be terrifying for you. It can be a time of glory for the church to rise up. And so I want to challenge you this month to begin to get your heart and yourself in a place in which you are living ready for Jesus to come. Now, I'm not saying he's going to come. I'm not one of those people who says, and the date he's coming is January 31st. That's why we're doing this series. No, that's not it at all. We don't predict the end. All we do is we get ready for it. And so we're going to do a, a really short series in the book of 2 Peter. Uh, 2 Peter, as you read through it, is actually uh, reads very much as an end times book. And so we're going to go through 2 Peter. Earlier last year, we went through 1 Peter. And we're going to wrap up the next four weeks going through 2 Peter talking about living ready. And the first message that I want to, to talk to you about is this concept called the great escape. Now you remember Houdini, the great escape artist? You ever watch some, anyone watch a good escape artist and wonder how did they do that? You know, they're underwater and they're in chains and they're in a box and there's locks, locks everywhere, whatever it happens to be. But somehow they get out. Somehow they escape it. And you or I, you know, we wouldn't probably survive that. We wouldn't know all the tricks, but somehow they've got a way to escape this situation that they're in. And I don't know if you've thought back over this last year and thought to yourself, if I could just escape from this, it would be great. If I could just escape from this. Has anyone like dreamt of like, just, just put me on the beach in Hawaii by myself and let me forget that COVID is something that exists in this world. Like, let me just, everybody just leave me alone and get me some sand and some warmth. Doesn't that sound good right about now? As the snow slowly begins to melt. What if you could escape it all? And that's what I wonder. What if you could actually escape it all? What if, what if you could escape all that is around us? Because I believe that God has given us a way to escape. And so we are going to learn this morning what is the great escape. And so 
you noticed, I'm sure like I did, that this world is corrupt. Have you found that to be true? Has anyone wronged you ever? Has anybody done anything to you? Have you noticed that anyone has lied or stolen or cheated any time in the last 10 years? Have you, have you seen it? Have you seen anyone in prominence who was famous and all of a sudden they, it was exposed that something horrible happened and they now are no longer, they've fallen hard and you, where, whatever that is, whether it's a football player, a pastor, it doesn't matter. We find in this world there is corruption. Can we agree on that? It's, it's in front of us, it's behind us, it's around us. And unfortunately, sometimes corruption's even within us because we have that sin nature within us because sin has entered the world. And I know that those things get frustrating. And this is a big question that people will say, well, well, why is there corruption in this world? Why do bad things happen to good people? You ever asked that question before? Why in the world does it, why does there have to be bad things? If God is God, why is there bad existing? And actually Romans 8 tells us the answer to that. It all began actually back in the book of Genesis when God handed over to humanity dominion of the world. He said, this is yours to steward. This is yours to manage. And the devil came disguised as a serpent and humanity made a decision to say, oh, here you go, devil, you manage it. And now we're stuck until Jesus returns. It says in Romans 8, 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subject, subjected it and hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And so there will be a day. There will be a day. You read Revelation and you read about a new heaven and a new earth. It's exciting and it's confusing and it's scary and it's awesome, but we are now living in a world that is decaying, that is corrupted, that has these things in it, and God has chosen us to live in the midst of it all, to be a light, to, to live in the midst of it all, to show that we can actually escape the corruption of this world while simultaneously living in it. It is possible. When we, when we think about what's happening in this imperfect world right now, there's, there's this awareness around our world. You don't have to be a Christian to be aware that there's bad things happening in this world right now. You can talk to Christians and non-Christians alike, and people that maybe have never really paid attention will say, okay, this world is messed up. Even over this last year, we've had people come visit the church and ask, oh, why, how'd you find us? Why are you here? And they were like, you know, I'm looking around, and I'm like, there's got to be something better than this. Something, this is messed up, and I've got to find something higher than this. People, the world is noticing. But when we begin to live ready, there's a shifting that happens inside of us. In fact, when you come to Jesus, you actually begin to notice it more. Did you notice that? Do you remember? Anyone uh, maybe remembers that there was a time in your life. Now, if you were saved as a young child, you may not remember it as distinctly, but some of you lived through some things in your life, and, and you didn't really notice that much that there was like, you were doing really terrible things. You didn't, it just was like, oh, that's just what I do. And then you come to know Jesus, and all of a sudden, something shifts inside of you. You go, oh, man, what was I thinking? And there's, a, there's all of a sudden, there's this something within you that begin to see clearly that there is something better than this world. And you begin to wish you could get away from it all. 
Could we escape it? Could we escape it? What is the great escape? There's really only two ways, physically speaking, to escape it all. There's just two. There's only two ways in this body, this flesh, you and me, for all of us in this room, if we just weren't here, there's two ways for the escape to happen. Number one, you die. Just to be blunt, number two, Jesus returns. That's it. That's the only way out. Glad I could encourage you this morning. But the reality is this, you're listening to this sermon, so guess what? Neither one of those two things have happened. I'm pretty confident I didn't get left behind. I'm, I'm pretty sure, right? So, so I think we're all good here, okay? So but what if there was another way out? What if there was another, what if there was an alternative? I love it when, when they used to come up to Jesus and ask him questions, and they would say, Jesus, A or B? And he would say, F. <laughs> like, wait, what about C, D, and E? He, there was another way. He always had another way. And when I look at this and I go, there's only two ways out. There's only two. And yet God's word says there is another way. What if Jesus planned a great escape for his church right in the middle of the corrupt world? Would you be interested? <laughs> Would you be interested to not be so affected, to not be so impacted, to not be so discouraged, to not be so fearful, and begin to live the escape in the middle of it all? Amen? Does that sound good? Well, Peter tells us there is another way out, and he tells us that it is to participate in what God is doing. So I'm going to go back. Sorry, Kevin, I got way ahead of myself. We're going to go back to 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 1. I want to read you verse 3 and 4. It says this. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Can you say Everything. Okay, that's an important word. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Just pause for a second. I think that's what we, I want you to hear that word, everything. Well, I would live for Jesus, but I, I can't because of this, or you don't know my past, or you're, you don't know the things that I deal with. Everything. Come on, say it. Everything. He has given us everything. Verse 4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that you, through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. There it is. There is an escape that God has given us. Let's check it out because I'm excited because I believe that God has got an escape for you and I. All right. So Peter says, here's the way out. You get to participate in the divine. You get to participate in the divine. Now, time out. Let's just be clear. That doesn't mean we're all gods because I know I'm not, and I know you're not. But we can participate in what God is doing, and we can join our lives to his. We can live a life in the power of God. You see, when we participate in the divine... We are living with a different destiny. We are living with a different destination. We're living with a different purpose when we participate in the divine, in the things that are not of this world, but of heaven. You see, Jesus taught on prayer, and he included some words in this prayer that I think are very important. If you've never gone to Matthew chapter 6 and read through the Lord's Prayer, I challenge you, just go read it. Read it really slow, one word at a time, one line at a time. There's so much there that we, Jesus is teaching us about what we can ask of God. 
And one of the things he says we can ask in Matthew 6.10 is that we can pray this to God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just think about that. Think about heaven. Oh, how great is heaven. You just think about, can you just, have you ever imagined what heaven might be like? Have you ever imagined, has anyone ever imagined that? Like how great, and, and you may have a really distorted version of it, you know, you may, you may have your surfboard with you. Sorry, you're not going to be able to take it, but what, you might have something like that. But, but, but any, everybody kind of has this idea of heaven that it's, there's peace and there's perfection and there's, there's, there's just, you're settled and, and you're there with Jesus and it, everything is amazing and there's no darkness, it's all light. Doesn't that sound amazing? Heaven. Now, he says, Jesus says, we can pray to God and say, God, how it is in heaven, can you bring that to earth? in me and through me. He told us to pray it. Jesus wouldn't have told us to pray it if it wasn't possible. And so we can call heaven down. And the great escape happens when we live a life that is on earth as it is in heaven lifestyle. That's where it all begins. There's the key that we, when we participate in the divine, what we're doing is we're living that lifestyle on earth as it is in heaven. When our goals, our dreams, our drive is centered around the things of God instead of the things of this world. When we actually begin to believe what he says he can do, when we believe who he says that he is, Jesus opened the door to experience a divine life. He has that available for you and for me. But here's what we've got to know. You have to choose it. He has opened the door. He has opened the way, but you have to choose it. There is a decision and not just a philosophical decision. I think there are lots of philosophical Christians out there in our world. And what I mean by that is they believe in the idea of Jesus. And they liked the idea that someone could come and make them not feel guilty anymore and wash away our sins and help us to live a good life. But if we are going to live the great escape, we've got to walk through a door where we choose in our daily decisions, the things of heaven, the things of God's kingdom. You see, this open door that Jesus has for you and for me is an open door into the great escape. I kind of think of it like this, where as a Christian, and maybe everybody here is a Christian, if you don't know Jesus, today is a great day to receive Jesus into your life because I promise you, he will change everything. Not like, you're like, but I like some of the stuff. No, he'll just make it better. And the things that are not good, he'll, he'll turn around. It's so good. But there's a choice that we have to make. And, and what, what happens is, you ever fill out an online form, and you go and, and you look at it, and there's all these options, but some of them are grayed out, and it's frustrating. You're like, I'm trying to choose this one, but it doesn't work. Has that ever happened to anybody? Well, see, what happens with these forms is that there's an, you have to start at the top and go down because this one says, they ask a question, they say yes or no. If you answer yes, all of a sudden those aren't grayed out anymore and you get to answer all these things, right? You know, like they send you the survey, like, do you ever get a Walmart survey? You know, answer all these questions and win $1,000, maybe not. But anyway, if you fill that out, I've been a sucker once. And so they say, did this happen? And you say yes. And then it's like 20 more questions. Wait, wait, no, no, that didn't happen in the store. I need, let's move on to the next screen. Okay. But you say yes to Jesus and all 
those grayed out things, those possibilities, those things that you didn't think could ever happen, those things that are beyond your wildest imagination, those dreams that you thought were dead, all of a sudden, they're not grayed out anymore. They're all available for you and for me. When we choose to walk through that door, because it's contingent upon that answer. And I believe that the great escape is an option that is available for you. You don't have to choose that. You, I, I think you should because I think you're going to live a much happier, greater, effective life. But the great escape option is available to you. So let's go back to verse 3. And I want to just look at three things that God does for us as we live the great escape. How to live this escape. It says in verse 3 that it is his divine power that has given us everything we need. See, the first thing I've got to understand that if I am going to live a life in which I am no longer consumed and weighed down by all the things of this world where I'm no longer stuck in these things where I'm so focused on everything bad that could happen in this earth, when I change my perspective from earth to heaven, I first have to know that I can do it because his power equips me. His power is what equips me. It's not my intelligence. Do you know that you don't have to be like super smart to follow Jesus? Do you know that you can be super smart and follow Jesus? Do you know that it is his power though that equips you? You may say, I don't know, I wasn't born with all the natural ability and talent. It's okay. His power equips you. And I want to tell you about this power because the power that, that Peter speaks of here is an incredible power. The Greek word is dunamis. And there is a lot of meaning behind this one word power. Now you think of power and you could think of a few things. You could think of powers, maybe like magical powers, or you could think of like power, like strength, lifting power. But the power that Peter mentions is the power not only of strength and ability, but it's also the power for performing miracles which is great. That's the exciting stuff. And we want to be able to say, I want to pray for someone and see them healed. Does anyone here think it would be really cool that if you prayed for someone and they were miraculously healed on the spot, would that be awesome? Would you like that? I would like that. I mean, I, I don't, I, it doesn't matter who you are. You have, if you have no faith at all, I think everyone could say like, well, it would be cool if I prayed for someone and their broken leg became unbroken. That would be awesome. I think that would be cool. Dunamis power is the prayer for performing miracles. But here's this. It's also the power for moral living, which we need. It's also a power of influence. I believe God is going to, in this year and in the years to come in our world, that the church of Jesus is going to have dunamis power of influence in our world. That there is a greater influence that is coming. It is the power of resources arriving, arising from numbers. The power resting upon armies, forces, and hosts. There's this story in the Old Testament, and I'm pretty sure it was Elisha, where there's this battle, and his assistant comes, and he's like, we're going to die. And he's, he's like, no, but there's armies everywhere. It's okay. And the servant says, no, we hardly have any people. We're going to die. And he says, God, open his eyes. And he looks, and he sees the armies of heaven all around fighting with them. See, the dunamis power of God is the power of resources arising from numbers. Do you know that you have all the numbers you need? You could be up against the biggest thing in your life, and you have the numbers to get it done because the power of God. God calls you out, and he says, I have, I'm calling you out to this mission trip. 
and you find out that it's $900 and you say, ah, just kidding, I can't go. But guess what? You have dunamis power of God and there is, the numbers are going to be there, I promise you. I have never once in my entire life, and it's been a little while, I found out yesterday when I was playing football, that, that I have never ever in my life seen a situation in which God called someone out to the mission field and they said, I guess I can't go, I didn't get enough money. Never has happened. And I've seen a lot of people go out on the mission field. And so there is a faith because the dunamis power of God has the numbers in every way. And so this is the power that is available to us. This power is available to you in your life. Does anybody need any of these things? I mean, if I could just pick one, I'll take one. I'll take, but it's all. His divine power. That's why Peter is able to say, his divine power has given us everything because of this. You have a need? His divine power can meet it. Are you struggling with depression? I promise you, his divine power can meet you where you're at and he can pull you out of the pit. I, I read in the Psalms where David, I see him struggling with depression and he says, God, you pulled me out of the pit out of the depths. Everything you need. His addiction ruining your life. Guess what? His divine power can just take it. And he can give you the strength to walk out victory. Everything we need for life and godliness is given to us by his power. You know, I think sometimes we don't get to experience his power because we won't stop relying on our own. We're so tied up in, I've got this, I got this, I got this. Men, I'm looking at you. I think it's a bigger problem for men than it is for women. I got this. No, I got this. No, you don't got this. And if you could for a moment go to God and say, God, I need you to get this, then I believe you will begin to experience the power that Paul wrote about in Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Amen? Infinitely more than we could ask or think. Man, I was working on some home organization projects over this last weekend. I could have used, like, I would have loved to accomplish infinitely more than I did. I don't think it works. I don't think that's what he's talking about here, you know, but I can dream. But in the other things, the important things of life, infinitely more than you can ask or imagine. Are you limiting God by your understanding? Are you limiting what he can do in your life? Listen, step into his divine power. If you're just not sure, I don't know if God can do, step into his divine power. Say, God, I'm relying on your power. I'm relying that your power is going to get me through, that it is your strength. And I believe that you will find that anything you face, his power has given you all that we need. All that we need. His power equips you. And that is a key to the great escape is that when you live this world and you look around, his power will equip you for whatever it is that you face. Has anyone ever faced anything hard in their life? Yeah. Has anyone found that God got you through it? Amen? His power will equip you. The second thing that we see here in the text, he says that it is through us, let's see, where are we at here? He has called us, there we go, who has called us by his own glory and goodness. The second thing I want you to know this morning is that his goodness calls me. His goodness calls you. It's his goodness. 
You have been called by God. You've been called by God. I need you to know that. You have been called by God. The moment you came and you said, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. I need you to be the Lord of my life. God had a calling for your life. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says you were called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That was your very first calling. Did you know that? Your very first calling in Jesus was being called out of darkness and into light. I think that's a great calling. And God has a calling for your life. You've been called out of this corrupt world and its ways. You've been called out of this corrupt world and its ways. You've been called out. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you answered the call, and you came to him, and you discovered abundant life, I hope. You see, we didn't come to know Jesus because we were amazing. Now, some of you are pretty amazing. I, most of you are pretty amazing. Okay, all of you are pretty amazing. I don't want anyone walking out going, maybe I was one of the ones he wasn't talking about. <laughs> but here's what I need you to know. You didn't get saved because you were a good person. Nope. You weren't called by God because you did all the right things, because you lived a clean life, because, you know, I just try to be the best person I could be, and so that's why I can live a good Christian life is because I did all the good things. Now, check this out. He called you by his own glory and goodness, not by yours. I mean, for some of you, that's humbling, and some of you, that's freeing. Hallelujah. He called me by his glory and his goodness. He called you because he's good. He called you because he is good. He poured out his spirit upon you because of his glory. Not because he looked at you and said, oh man, you've got enough glory going on that I think I can pour my spirit out on this one. No, he called, poured his spirit out on you because his glory and his goodness. Ephesians 2.8 tells us, for it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It wasn't from me. It wasn't from you. It wasn't all the right things I did. I only did one right thing. That's all I had to do. And that one right thing was to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to yours. That's it. That's the only thing I did. But it's by grace that we're saved. And you are where you are today because God's goodness in your life. I think part of living the great escape is recognizing that on a regular basis. That we recognize that it's because of his mercy and grace, that it's because of his sacrifice that we remembered today in communion, that he has poured out his goodness freely on your life. And some of you today are in a place where you're saying, I'm not feeling that goodness. I'm not feeling a goodness around me. Listen, God is going to pour his goodness out upon your life again this year as you seek him the glory and goodness of god beckon us to come to the great escape to begin to live a life in the goodness of god to live a better way to rise above corruption above all of the noise to to live a life defined by jesus where his promises guide us his word leads us and we can't escape from the corruption of this world unless we really really recognize that it is his goodness that calls me out of that place. It is his goodness that drew me out from having my eyes on all the things around me that are falling apart and give me the strength to put my eyes upon him. It is his goodness. And finally, Peter tells us here this morning 
that through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. His very great and precious promises. Do you know that God is a God of promises? Did you know that? He's a God of promises. In fact, if you were to open up his word, and I hope that you do, you will find all kinds of promises in the word of God. Lots and lots of them. Here, I'll share a few. This is what I would call general promises of God. You open up the word of God, and there are the promises of God that are available to every single believer, every single one of you. You might say, I don't know, I don't have a promise from God in my life. Yes, you do have a promise from God in your life. Here's one. He gives strength to the weary. That's right out of scripture. Here's a promise from God. His love never fails. His word says it. It's a promise to you. Here's a promise. The Lord will fight for you. You don't have to fight this battle. The Lord will fight for you. There's a promise from Scripture. Here's a promise from Scripture. He gives wisdom to those who ask. Anyone need wisdom? Anyone have any places in your life? You're like, man, I need wisdom on this one. His word says that he will give. Here's a promise. God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That's a promise for you. Or how about, I think one of the best promises in Scripture is he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you. Even when you're walking through the hardest things in your entire life, He will never leave you. He will never forget you. He will never forsake you. He will not let go. The promises of God are available for you in your life. But there's also specific promises that God has for you. And these promises that lead us, they're specific and maybe they're they're promises over your family. They're over your situation, over your life. And these these promises of God are more than just, I don't know, they're more than just encouraging sayings to me. They're, they're, They're more than just encouragement. They're more than just, oh, that's nice. That's pretty. See, King David wrote in Psalm 119, verse 140, he said, your promises have been thoroughly tested. That is why I love them so much. The promises of God have been thoroughly tested. And God has given you His promises. If you've got nothing else, to stand and open up His Word and find His promises. But I would encourage you to go and pray to God and say, God, I need a promise in this situation. You go to someone else and you say, will you pray with me? Because I need something to contend. I need something to hang on to. When, when we see the gifts of the Spirit unfolded in the Scripture in the New Testament... And there's some of those gifts would be like word of knowledge or prophecy. Those can be the promises of God in which someone prays for you and speaks to you. And have you ever had, heard someone say, uh, hey, I think this is what God is saying to me. Or I have a word for you that I want you to hear from God. Right? Those, those could be promises of God. By the way, always check those through Scripture. Right? Is, does anyone have absolutely like perfect hearing all the time? <laughs> Some of you have selective hearing, right? <laughs> sure, let's watch football. What? You said take out the garbage. I didn't hear that. <laughs> but same with God. I mean, I don't, I don't hear, I, I mean, I don't hear God perfectly every single time. I, I like to think I do. But have I ever missed it? Maybe. And maybe you have too. So when someone gives you a word, you go to the, the scripture and you say, is this even biblical? go to the Lord and say, God, would you just confirm in my heart that this is what you have? And these are specific promises of God. Some of you need to start praying for your children and asking God for a promise for your children's life. 
I know that there are some of you that have heartache and you, you've raised kids and they've walked away from the Lord and, and you just don't know where to go. I, I want you to get in a prayer and say, God, I need you to give me a promise for my child. I need you to speak to me, Lord God. I need you to give me something to hang on to. And it's not tell me what I want to hear, God. <laughs> but God, I need a promise to hang on to. And these promises of God, they lead our lives. These promises of God should be drawing us into His ways, into His kingdom. When I live my life on the promises of God, when I allow His promises to lead me, not my will, not my way, not my preference, but I say, okay, God, I'm going to let your promises lead my life and navigate my life. You know what it does? It draws me into His kingdom. And I pray again, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Oh man, you can't pray that enough because here's what happens. When you live by the promises of God, something amazing happens. It grows his kingdom and it shrinks yours. When I'm praying, God, I need to live by your promises, all of a sudden the importance of my kingdom and the things that I've built and the things that I collect and the things that I buy and the things that I think are important, it all begins to just fall away. And the kingdom of God grows in my life. You know why that is? It's because God never intended us to have our own kingdoms. He intended us to live for, her, for His, according to His kingdom, to live on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God meant for us, is to make the great escape. That we live a life in which we say, okay, God, your power is going to equip me as I get up and live my day-to-day, -day, God. I'm going to remember that it is your goodness that calls me. Lord, I messed up yesterday, but it's your goodness. It's not mine. I can start fresh today because it's your goodness that calls me. I can start. I can do it again. Some of you are going to make New Year's resolutions. Then on February 1st, you're going to have to make them over again. But it's okay because it's his goodness that calls you and leads you. It doesn't matter. You fail, but God does not fail because it's his promises that lead you. And so we begin to live this way with this mindset that we get up in the morning and say, okay, God, I need your power to equip me today. I need your power to live a life in this corrupt world. I need your power, God. God, would you remind me over and over again that it is your goodness and your glory that calls me. That it's not about all I did and all the mistakes I've made, but it's your goodness, Lord God. And I will live in your goodness today. And God, as I walk through my day, I hang on to the promises in your word. I hang on to the things that have been spoken over my life that when I am afraid... When I am afraid, when I am discouraged, Lord God, I know that you have promises for my life. When I was a young man, my, my mother gave me a word over my life out of Joshua chapter 1. And in the times of my life in which I have been fearful, the times of my life where I've been afraid to lead boldly, the words come back to me over and over and over again. Be therefore strong and courageous, for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. And it's a promise that is spoken over my life that brings strength again. And I allow it to lead me into these places this is what it looks like to live the great escape. It is possible, and it is wonderful. This is what God has for you. And he extends all of these things to you, his power, his goodness, his promises, and he invites you into the divine. He invites you into the kingdom of God, and when you accept his invitation, that corruption around you, it starts to lose its grip on your mind. Some of you right now are in a place where what's happening in the world around you 
needs to lose its grip on your mind because it is paralyzing you. It's paralyzing you. And when you accept his invitation, when you say, okay, God, I'm going to live this way, it loses its grip on your heart, on your life. We've got to stop wasting our time arguing with corruption. It doesn't get us anywhere. You know what happens when you spend your life arguing with corruption, focusing on corruption, saying, okay, no, okay, this isn't going to be, I'm going to be okay, and we go on these, all these places. You know what happens when all you focus on is how bad the world is around you? And I hear lots of Christians talk about it. Oh, this world is so horrible. Yes, okay, I get it. It is. The Bible told me that. I knew that a long time ago, before I noticed it even. I knew that was the case. But here's what happens. When all we focus on, this is what's happened in our world right now over the last two years. All we focus on is the doom and the gloom. All we focus on is what's wrong. All we focus on is what bad thing next is coming. All we focus on is death and destruction. And you know what happens when we live our life that way? Our entire attention gets shifted to what's broken. And that's not the way God called us to live. He wants our attention on what his kingdom is and what is whole and what is right and what is holy and what is blameless and what is pure and what is victory and what is peace and joy. That's what he wants us to set our attention on. And so we come to the Lord in these things and we shift our attention and say, okay, God, I want to live the great escape. And so, God, I'm going to get into your presence and I'm going to dwell in worship. And when you do that, when you dwell in worship, when you pursue prayer, when you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, when you set your mind on things above, when you begin to pray in the Spirit, when you begin to believe for healing, when you're hanging on tightly to hope, something shifts in you when you do these things. Perspectives change. Thoughts change. Your goals change. Lives will change. The great thing about this whole message is that this great escape that I'm talking about will shift your focus from what's damaged to what's divine. And God wants you living your life focused on what's divine. He wants you living your life focused on what he is doing. Did you know that in the midst of the mess that is happening in our world, there is revival happening in the church all around the world? Pay attention to that. Join up with that. Because there is incredible things happening right now that God is doing in the church. I want to invite you this morning into the great escape with me and experience everything God has for you. Will you stand? If you have our church app and you're looking through the notes, there's some application. And I want you to just think about these things today and this week. And I'm just going to read these questions out. The first one is, what do you need his power for right now in your life? Where do you need that power of God right now in your life? You can say, right now in this situation, I need the power of God to show up. Second thing I want you to think about is, what promises can you stand on? As you strive to live the great escape, when you struggle, what are the promises of God that you can stand on? And finally, I want you to ask yourself where you're more fixated on the corruption than on what God can do and begin to shift your thinking. As we apply this message to our life and say, okay, God, take us there. 
Take us to a place of glory. Take us to a place where we have heaven on earth. Amen. I want to pray for you this morning. And as I do, if you want prayer for this this morning, if you're stuck in some places, if you're discouraged, if, you, if you're, it, you've been so consumed by everything that's happening around you in this world that it's paralyzed you, if you need prayer for that, if you need prayer, if you're struggling with depression or addiction, or you, you just say, God, I need an escape. Or maybe you're just not content anymore, just living an everyday, normal, boring life. I want to encourage you that as I pray, you just come forward and spend a moment with the Lord. And say, God, I want to turn and look to you, Lord God. So let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, I thank you, God, for this book of 2 Peter. Lord, help us to live ready. Live ready. like Live like you're coming back tomorrow, Lord. Help us to live ready. But God, let us not wait for that day, Lord God, to start living everything that you have given us. God, we want to live in the great escape here and now today. And so, Lord God, we praise you and we thank you, Lord God, that your power is available for us, Lord God, that you have poured out your glory upon us, that you have poured out your goodness upon us, Lord God. God, lead us by your promises, by your ways. Lord, would you come and would you change our focus, shift our perspective, turn our hearts, Lord God, that we would walk out into this world, Lord God, and people would look at us and say, you are different. You're not getting drugged down. Why aren't you depressed by this? Why aren't you discouraged? Why aren't you fearful? What's different? And they would see that escape that's happened in our lives, that we're living for the kingdom of God here and now. Lord, we want to live ready for you. So God, let it be. We turn our eyes to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.